0: Hello, my name is David Ewan, and I'm from the Resurrection Center, and today I'll be talking about five books of the Bible towards the tail end of the Old Testament. Those books are Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Those are the five books. And Obadiah, Obadiah warns the neighboring nation of Edom that they will be judged for plundering Jerusalem. In the book of Jonah, a disobedient prophet runs from God, is swallowed by a great fish, and then preaches God's message to the city of Nineveh. And Micah, for in the book of Micah, uh, Micah confronts the leaders of Israel and Judah regarding their injustice and prophecies that one day the Lord himself will rule in perfect justice. And in Nahum, Nahum foretells of God's judgment on Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. And in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk pleads with God to stop the injustice and violence in Judah, but is surprised to find that God will use the even more violent Babylonians to do so. Those are the five books we'll be talking about here on Bible 101 for the Resurrection Center. Let's begin. I'll be talking about Obadiah first, And uh, Obadiah is the fourth of the minor prophets, the last 12 books of the Bible. When God had a message for the people, he gave his message through prophets. These messages came in visions, oracles, dreams, parables, and the like. So most of the minor prophets are messages to the people of Judah and Israel. And that's the southern and northern kingdoms of God's uh, people. But Obadiah's vision is different. Like Jonah and Nahum, Obadiah's writings mainly concern the people outside of Israel. In Obadiah's case, it's the nation of Edom. The book of Obadiah begins with a promise to bring Edom down from the mountain and ends with the deliverers of Israel ascending Mount Zion to judge Edom. Obadiah is the shortest book of the Old Testament and the fourth shortest book in the Bible. Obadiah unpacks a long-standing history between Israel and one of its enemies, and more importantly, the history of God's covenant with Israel's ancestors. The Israel versus Edom rivalry is more than just two nations who don't get along. The theme verse in Obadiah is in um, chapter 21, verse 21, the deliverers will ascend Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. So the book of Obadiah shows that God will not forsake his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Edomites, to the Edomites, I should say, it's a message of judgment and doom. To the Jews, it's a message of faithfulness and salvation. Israel has a long-standing rivalry with the nation of Edom, but now Edom has gone too far. The book of Obadiah is a brief prophetic word regarding the nearby nation of Edom, and it's not good news for Edom. When the Babylonians attacked Jerusalem and the temple of God, Edom was there, cheering on the Babylonians. Obadiah's message is simple. No matter how safe they think they are, no matter how wise they think they are, Edom can't get away with this. So God sends his messenger to them, a man named Obadiah, And that's Hebrew for servant of Yahweh. Through Obadiah, God swears to turn the tables on Edom. Now let's go to Jonah. Let's go to Jonah. Jonah is the most widely known of the minor prophets, the last 12 books of the Old Testament. When God had a message for the people, he spoke through prophets. His words came in visions, oracles, dreams, and parables, and the like. Most of the books were written to the people of Israel and Judah, but Jonah, Obadiah, and Nahum are more concerned with surrounding nations. Jonah's life events told some of Christ's story, and his message foreshadowed Christ's message to repent. But Jonah isn't all about repentance. It's also a story of God's compassion, For all the people, not just Israel. Remember the two-episode breakdown of Jonah above? In both episodes, the Hebrew Jonah gets his people from other nations to recognize God's sovereignty and compassion, even when he disobeys. Through the book of Jonah, we see God's compassion for Nineveh when they repent. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. But Nineveh's repentance is not permanent. They return to violence and wickedness. The Assyrians, whose capital is Nineveh, come against Israel and carry her off into exile. Nineveh becomes so wicked that the Lord chooses another prophet, Nahum, to speak against it. But this time, there's no way out. Jonah has only four chapters, What makes and that makes it easy to outline the book chapter by chapter. So number one, God directs Jonah. Jonah disobeys. Number two, God has compassion on Jonah. Number three, Jonah preaches to Nineveh. Nineveh repents. Number four, God has compassion on Nineveh, but Jonah does not. So here's a summary of Jonah. God has created all mankind, but he had chosen one special nation as his own. And that's Israel. Through Israel, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And that's seen in the book of Genesis. God had given Israel his laws through Moses back in the book of Exodus and called them by his name. And that's in second of Samuel. Through Israel, the world would know who God is. Nineveh, on the other hand, well, let's talk about Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria and a place of great wickedness. So the Lord tells a prophet named Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh and cry against it. And that's uh, in Jonah chapter 1 verse 2. But Jonah does something entirely unexpected. He boards a ship headed in the opposite direction. The Lord sends a mighty storm after him, which threatens to destroy the vessel. Jonah confesses to the sailor that he is a Hebrew and that he is trying to escape Yahweh's presence. His proposed solution, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. And that's in Jonah chapter 1 verse 12. They do so, and the sea calms, and all the sailors recognize the God who spared them. Then comes the part everyone remembers. Jonah is swallowed by a great fish. He prays from within the fish, and God has it vomit him onto the land. Now we're back to square one. God tells Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh, and this time Jonah obeys, finally. He walks through the evil city, heralding Nineveh's impending doom, In just 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites do the unexpected. They repent, and God relents. And Jonah is not okay with this. Let's go to Micah. Let's go to Micah. Micah is the sixth of the minor prophets, the last 12 books of the Bible. When God had a message for the people, he gave his message through prophets. These messages come in visions, oracles, dreams, parables, and the like. While most of the minor prophets spoke to one nation, Micah called out both the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Like Amos, Micah calls the people's injustice to light. Micah admonishes the people, telling them that they should have known better. God had made Israel his own special nation, and he had special expectations of them. God is holy, and his people were to be holy. God is faithful, and his people were were to be faithful to him. God is merciful, and his people were to be merciful. God is just, and his people should exercise justice. But the prophet Micah feels that there are no righteous people. There is no justice in the land. The judges accept bribes, the rulers oppress the poor, the prophets lead people astray, and the priests are easily bought. Israel's behavior is unacceptable And Micah tells the people that they have no excuse. In Micah chapter 6 verse 8, the scripture reads, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And again, that's Micah chapter 6 verse 8. They know better, and God will not sit by while they treat one another this way. So he comes to the prophet Micah with a twofold message. The first, Israel and Judah must be disciplined for their injustice. and number two, God himself will rule Israel with justice someday. because God is just even when his people have no justice and because God is merciful even when his people show no mercy. The theme verse of Micah chapter uh, Micah 9 verse 9. Okay, again, this is the the theme verse of Micah. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my case and executes justice for me. He will bring me out to the light and I will see his righteousness. And that's in Micah chapter nine, verse nine. God has laid out his expectations of man. Number one, do justice. Number two, love kindness. Number three, walk humbly with him. Man did not meet God's expectation, and although God would punish them, God also promises to meet his own expectations. Number one, he would rule injustice, Micah chapter 4, verse 3. Number two, he would show mercy, Micah chapter 7, verse 19. And number three, he would lead them in the ways of God, Micah chapter 5, verse 4. So here's a quick outline of Micah. Number one, Israel's injustice. Number two, the Lord's promise to rule is, I'll start again for number two, the Lord's promise to rule Israel with justice. Number three, the Lord's expectations and judgment. Number four, the Lord's compassion and everlasting love. Now I'll go to the book of Nahum. This is the book of Nahum. Nahum is the seventh of the minor prophets, the last 12 books of the Old Testament. When God has a message for his people, he spoke through the prophets. His word came in visions, oracles, dreams, parables, and the like. Most of these books were written to the people of Israel and Judah. But Nehum and Ode, Obadiah, I should say, and Jonah are more concerned with surrounding nations. When Jonah warned Nineveh of God's wrath, the Ninevites repented and God spared them. But their repentance didn't take. Nineveh is the capital of Syria and the Assyrian Empire had only grown more mighty and more wicked since the time of Jonah. Nineveh continued to lead nations into idolatry. Plus, the Assyrians had touched Israel, the apple of God's eye. They had carried off the northern tribes into captivity and had since oppressed the people of Judah during the time of the righteous, uh, the right, the, of the righteous king Hezekiah. The people of God must have wondered, are they really going to get away with this? Well, not a chance. God sends the prophet Nahum to reveal Nineveh's future, utter desolation. With Jonah, there was a chance to repent. Now the time for repentance is over. God is good and compassionate, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished. Why would a loving God send such a harsh message? The structure of Nahum's oracle gives us a clue. The book doesn't begin with a simple description of the judgment to come. Instead, Nahum leads by describing God in the following ways. Okay, and here they are. Number one, jealous. There is one God and there is none equal to him. He always He allows no room for idols. Although Nineveh had recognized him in Jonah's day, they viewed him as just another God. Number two, avenging and wrathful against his enemies. Historians recognize the Syrians as a brutal people even today, and these violent people had to answer for their crimes. Number three, slow to anger. God had plans to punish Nineveh decades earlier, but he had spared them when they repented before him. Number four, great in power. Nahum points out God's sovereignty over the sky, the sea, and the whole earth. Number five, God is good. He's a stronghold to those who take refuge in him. Because God is, all, is about to display all his wrath and might and jealousy, but the Assyrians have not taken refuge in him, God is, uh, is safety to those who fear him, but danger those who disregard him. And because the Assyrians disregard him, they cannot be safe. Nahum is a brutal prophecy against the enemies of God and his people. But Nahum's name appears, I should say, means comforter. The oracle comforts God's people by showing them that he is still in control. He still watches over his own, and even when justice seems completely out of balance, he has a plan to right the scales. The theme verse of Nahum that's uh, in chapter 1, verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. And again, that's in Nahum chapter 1, verse 3. Now, I'll turn our attention to Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is the eighth of the minor prophets, the last 12 books of the Old Testament. When God had a message for the people, he spoke. Through the prophets, his word came in visions, oracles, dreams, parables, and the like. In Deuteronomy, God had promised to bless Israel if they loved and obeyed him, and punish Israel if they chose to go their own way. Later, Israel divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom kept the name Israel, and the southern kingdom was named Judah. Israel turned from God, ignored his prophets, and worshipped idols, and so God handed them over to the Assyrians. And Judah followed Israel's example. So God would bring a similar fate upon them. But this time he would discipline them through the Babylonians. Habakkuk saw this happen in his own lifetime. Chapter 1, verse 5. But Habakkuk doesn't stop at Judah's punishment. Like Nahum, Habakkuk foresees God's judgment on those who oppress other nations and lead them into wickedness. Habakkuk speaks of Babylon's fall an event which the prophet Daniel witnesses. Habakkuk isn't a well-known or often-read-about book in the Bible, but it contains one of the most important lines in church history. The righteous will live by his faith. And Habakkuk comforts us with the message of God's sovereignty. God is in control, and he uses the kingdoms of this world to accomplish his purposes. The people of Judah had grown wicked, violent, and corrupt. There was no justice in the land that was supposed to be known by God's name. Habakkuk couldn't take it anymore. These people shouldn't be allowed to disregard God's law. Surely God would set things right. So Habakkuk pleads with God, asking him to save Judah from her own wickedness. God answers, but not in the way Habakkuk expected. To judge Judah's wickedness, God says, we will hand them over to the childrens, a nation even more wicked, violent, and corrupt. Then Habakkuk says, why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Will they continually slay nations without sparing? And, well, but God is way ahead of Habakkuk. The Lord shows him that something else is in store for the childrens, those are the Babylonians, justice. Number one. The Babylonians looted many nations, but the remaining ones will loot them. That's Habakkuk chapter two, verse eight. Number two, the Babylonians, the Babylonians cut off other families so that they could secure their own empire, but soon the work of their lands will cry out against them. And that's in Habakkuk chapter two, verse nine through 10. Number three, the Babylonians built their cities with bloodshed, but their work will be for nothing. That's in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. Number four, the Babylonians disgrace the nations around them, but the Lord will disgrace them. That's in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 15 through 16. And number five, the Babylonians crafted idols and then called on them, but all the earth will be silent before the Lord. And that's in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 18 through 20 when Habakkuk sees God's master plan, he can only worship God. God will correct Judah. God will punish Babylon. But most importantly, God will be known in all the earth. And that's shown in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. So today we have been talking about Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk. So in the book of Obadiah, Obadiah warns the neighboring nation of Edom that they will be judged for plundering Jerusalem. In the book of Jonah, a disobedient prophet runs from God, is swallowed by a great fish, and then preaches God's message to the city of Nineveh. Number three, in the book of Micah, Micah confronts the leaders of Israel and Judah regarding their injustice and prophecies that one day the Lord himself will rule in perfect justice. Number four, in Nahum, Nahum foretells of God's judgment on Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. And number five, Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk pleads with God to stop the injustice and violence in Judah, but is surprised to find that God will use the even more violent Babylonians to do so. And those are the five books that I was reviewing today. I thank you for joining me. My name is David Ewan, and this is The Resurrection Center. You can also check us out on thekradio.com.